global brand should be orchestrated with a global strategy that is a positioning that encompasses multi-countries and lasts the testament of time. But you need to give freedom within this framework that brings in that local insight and the magic of the local soul. Welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. Join your host, Dots Oyobulu, as he learns from CMOs, agency leaders, and business leaders about the state of performance marketing, plus insights on strategies, campaigns, and intelligence for commercial impact. Connect the dots and enjoy the latest episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com. Hi, marketers. This is Dots, and welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast. With me here is Tio Ting Fu, Global Head of Brand and Insights at HP and one of Asia's leading CMOs. We will discuss exploring customer-centric marketing in terms of culture in organizations. I know you guys are ready, so let's get it. Siu Ting, how are you? I'm really good. How are you? Very well. It's an honor having you on this podcast, and uh, I can't wait to learn a lot from your insights. So let's get started, shall we? Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and your role? Yeah, I'm sitting actually a Singaporean marketer based in Singapore. I have about 25 years of marketing experience. I would say that currently I'm with HP. I'm, I'm running their brand and head of brand and insights group globally. But prior to HP, actually, in fact, I was spending 20 years of my experience in consumer goods companies. So fast-moving consumer goods company like the Unilever, the Mars, the Diageo, Ontara. So I have been marketing to a wide area of consumers from, you know, from males to females to young kids to teenagers across a wide spectrum of whether it's a mass consumer products or message on luxury products. Yeah, yeah. You've had a great career for sure. And in preparing for this episode, I learned that one of your expertise is in E2E multinational marketing. What does that mean? Yeah, so E2E basically means end-to-end marketing. And I just put it in a very simplistic terms is that marketing in the whole construct, in where I grew up to, which is in consumer goods, you basically run the four Ps. So in in consumer goods, you actually handle, you depend on marketing, actually the function, develop the products, innovations, Decide what price to pay for, decide how do you go about promoting it, and then you work with the sales team to really drive the distribution. So when I meant by end-to-end, meaning I have expertise to really look at the entire value chain, starting with the customer inside and then delivering products, services, solutions, and go-to-market strategies that really delight the consumers. So that's what I meant by end-to-end. I see. I see. Uh, And that's a good strategic approach for sure. And I'm sure the customer-centric topic we are looking at today would also be looking at the old nine years, as they would say it over here. So let's get into the topic. Could you explain what being human-centric means when it comes to business growth? 
And what is the importance to that from a marketing perspective for customers and employees? Well, the human-centric growth or the topic of human-centric growth is something that I have been developing over the course of the last few years, especially the last few years on, hey, you know, the facet of marketing has been evolving so quickly. But if you go back and appeal to the roots of what marketing is all about, whether you read the books of Philip Kotler on, you know, the recent book of how brands grow from Byron Sharp, basically marketing is the rudimentary course is to, hey, identify insights and create compelling propositions that answer a human need, a human truth. So that's marketing at its most uh, rudimentary cost. But obviously, we know the last 10 years, the technology has changed drastically on the way we go to market. It enables the way messages get bombarded and the consumers get bombarded with the messaging. It, it actually disrupts our lives in the positive, but also comes with its burden, different ways of how consumers actually consume the data. So I believe that when you talk about human-centric growth, there are three aspects that I look at. First of all is really on starting on the, the discipline of marketing, which is you have to develop you know, marketing programs and products that answer a universal human truth. And that's what customer-centricity and customer is all about. And we can talk a little bit about that. Now, then there's a second aspect of it in terms of human centricity growth, which ties back to what I feel is a little bit more towards personal leadership on individuals themselves, and also leadership of marketing leaders, especially CMOs, on how kind of culture and the organization they, they build. And I use a, a principle that I often talk about, which is purpose-led leadership. And I use that, you know, very much in my leadership approach and also my ways of empowering my team. Because when I believe that when a person, his passion, skills, and purpose is coming aligned, that's when you bring out the best of the individual. And then the last aspect of human-centric business growth, especially tying back to the role of CMO, role of marketing, and role of brands, it's the importance that you not, you not only look at brand and marketing, only in the construct of marketing. You have to look at how does brand and marketing help grow business and actually ultimately answering you know, a multi-stakeholder view, whether it's to the community we serve, to the planet we serve, to the shareholders that and the investors and the that value we create so that your strategy is really more holistic. So that's kind of the three piece when I talk about human-centric growth. Wow, wow, wow. That is great. And I like the empowerment bit where you are able to raise a team that have a shared vision. Shared vision, not only in terms of the human need, which you mentioned before, when it comes to relating to customers at a human-to-human level, but even a shared vision in terms of the objectives. And which is why, you know, CMOs, their work these days is cut out for them because their role is more commercial-based than marketing-based. It's not just marketing. There is sales, there is service, there is IT, there is even finance in there. And all these parties have to work together, put differences aside to work towards this shared goal and help build the brand end-to-end. Now, let's stay on that thought process a little bit. And I would like to ask you, how do you think this system can work when it comes to global marketing strategies? 
how are you able to cultivate this kind of culture to position global brands properly to make them in a way behave like local brands and make them more relevant at even at a global level yeah so i i have managed many global brands in my 25 years of careers and also in not only global capacity but also at local capacity so i've sat on both sides of the fence to be really candid depending on which fence you sit you might create the the selling pitch according to what goes to your advantage but jokes jokes aside to that right if i just unstrip you know this and to be really true on the craft of marketing on building global brands with local relevance i use the term quite often and it's actually picked up by a lot of people is you know i believe in the power of global brands but with local soul right so so what do i mean by that i think great brands are built on a universal human truth. And there are global universal human truths, despite the cultural that we are in, the geography that we are in. And there are many brands that you and I know are, are built successful around that because they just have a great positioning that lasts testament of time and they answer universal human truth, like Nike, like Jody Walker, a brand that I have worked on for many years. And I think that's the start of great brands. You, you have to answer a human truth and you contemporize with time. So for example, the context of Johnny Walker is all about inspiring personal progress. And the human truth is man wants to progress, right? But the context of progress from a cultural standpoint shifts and change according to the time. And hence a brand stays concerned with that, but you evolve how you speak and how you talk. Now, that's a successful piece of global brand. Now, I believe global brand should be orchestrated with a global strategy that is a positioning that encompasses multi-countries and lasts the testament of time. But you need to give freedom within this framework that brings in that local insight and the magic of the local soul. So for example, what do I mean by that? Contacts of progress in China might be slightly different of contacts of progress in Nigeria, right? You know, so, so that is where the matching of that local insight comes through in the sense that, hey, how do you tell a positioning? You stay very consistent with the brand, got reels, the semiotics and everything, but you actually try to answer an insight and attention that brings alive the global positioning in a compelling way. So that's where the local insight and the local soul and the local magic comes into play. It is more an arts than a science, and it really what requires leaders and global marketers who is very open to the notion of what do you say as mandatory and what do you let go in terms of freedom and how do you harness the power of community around the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very great breakdown. Looking at this podcast, for example, I think my vision as the host is to see it from a global perspective, but the human truth, if I were to use your language, is the same, which is whether it's brand marketing, which we are discussing now, or performance marketing through some of the other guests. I've spoken through with guests from different continents. The truth there is just helping to use marketing as a tool to connect the dots 
and drive commercial value for brands, businesses, and humans at large. So the, looking at the way you've explained all this, it sort of makes sense the way global markets run uh, when it comes to marketing. And of course, this is not easy. I think a lot of it hinges down to what you have said before, which is empowering your team to do the best work and trusting them to stay with the vision. You know, and we could discuss more ideas on how you to sometimes get this done. But my other question is similar to some things you have said before, and that is about the purpose-driven leadership. This might be a very obvious question, but what do you think about brand purpose in terms of companies striving for that versus striving for profits? I'm saying that because we are currently globally in what I call a cold recession. There's recession, but they are not saying there's recession. So things are not as great across board. And this is when you want to tell brands to still focus on the brand, focus on building the brand, focus on the brand purpose, and not focus on immediate profits. So how do you see companies juggle these two realities? And what is your advice around that? I think, first of all, I'm going to bust some myth about brand purpose. Because, and a lot of it is also driven by some of the actions that marketers do to create myth around brand purpose. So when they manifest brand purpose in the notion of a campaign, right? You do a campaign and you call it a campaign and then you start talking about the campaign, then you are doing a brand purpose work. I, I, I don't think that works. The brand purpose and the purpose she goes back to the company purpose. You know, a brand when it's most successful links back to the purpose of the company and really around the corporate mission vision of the company. And when that's alignment on the brand purpose and the company purpose, that's when then the strategy alignment from a commercial standpoint and business profit starts aligning. But it's not an easy piece. It's more an art versus in science. But you can't separate purpose as this is what the marketing department do. And if you do that, then that will never really land, right? The purpose has to go back to why the company exists. What's the company here to stay for in terms of the community, the planet and consumers they serve? And then that is successful. Now, on the notion of profit, it's a, it's a challenge that all marketers get challenge on a daily basis, especially in, in the current climate, you know, of economic challenges. And it's not an easy challenge because then the, the commercial PL side of things you need to really balance between short-term and long-term. But I would really say that historically in the companies, especially those big brands, and obviously there's a bit of work by Kantar, Brand Z, they look at multiple brands historically. Brands which are companies who have invested in brands and didn't take their brand investment off even during really challenging time, proved to be able to secure better profits because even in the economic recession, they could take price up. And actually, that's the value and the power of brands, right? So there has been lots of data that actually shows that so actually, there's two schools of thoughts. There are, there are brands that say, hey, you need to cut short-term and stop investing on marketing and brand. But history has shown that's that intangible value asset creation on profit, which you can't justify, you know, in a short-term basis. Interesting. Interesting. 
I like that, but what I also like best is how you clarify brand purpose. And I think I agree with you on that. Like the brand purpose is beyond what marketing does as an activity. It is the company itself. So for example, you cannot run an ad about on Women's Day and your, for example, your uh, internal company structure or employee structure is discriminatory, right? You cannot say something about your product or try to boost your product. And I've seen cases whereby influencers are posting something about a phone. And there was a case where somebody did that and did that through another phone. So you, you're selling a product and then you're using another product. It's, there is no brand purpose in that. So if you're listening, I think that's one of the biggest lessons to say, uh, if you are in the marketing position, you do what you can to influence the company itself improve your internal communication as much as possible. But even beyond that, try to make as much alignment internally as possible. From where I come from, there is a proverb that says, if you are going to give somebody a clothes, you are going to see what you are wearing first. So if you want to give someone value, you need to see the value that you have, if it's even been imbibed internally. So that's a good one. A couple of other you know, questions, really, really enjoying this so far. And I hope if you're listening, you will be enjoying as well. I want to get some perspectives as we go on the way through to customer centricity here in terms of building the culture. And my question to you is that if you look at many of the CMOs out there, do you think they are doing a great job now? We are looking at getting into the weeds. You think they are doing a great job of combining creativity and science or data to drive organizational culture, or even in some cases, innovation in the marketing space? Do you think they are able to create that balance? And if not, how do you create that balance in your own life? (laughs) That's a tough question. I know. They will ask tough questions here. (laughs) I I, I don't think I'm in a position to comment about what other CMOs do. I just view that like you said, Don, in the beginning of the conversation, is the role of marketing is is evolving really fast. And that's from the data that you're seeing, I think, last one, two years ago, there's been data done by some uh, companies that shows that actually the tenure of CMO is usually no more than three years on average. Um, and that shows because, you know, the role of CMO is potentially one of the toughest role in the C-suite because it's blurring the technology and everything is blurring between brand and commercial and blah, blah, blah. And then you end up having within the marketing field facets of discipline and fragmentation of discipline. For example, there will be people that say, oh, you need to do performance marketing. And there'll be people that say, oh, brand marketing is different. I have a view that brand and performance, you have to do both. It just depends on what is the context of the business problem you face and the challenge that you face, I always start with, so what is a business problem? What is a business objective then that we need to really solve for? And you ask the why and you develop. So what is an insight that you're learning from this that can help you solve this? In the process, you would need to use science and art on creativity, science that would literally say, for me, is data. And art is just, just creativity to solve this problem. You need to use data to back and de- de- deliver a hypothesis 
and measure yourself against it because that shows accountability of marketing and also bust the, a lot of myths of marketing being perceived by commercial leaders that we only know how to do the creative stuff, which is to create a video or create a campaign. But actually, I think it's a strong notion of creativity linking back to science because when you are creative, meaning you are, you could really un uncover that, what I meant, the human side of it, the, the laugh of the brain, and that things, th this is something that is coming from deep-rooted data and curiosity. You, you then could create a compelling vision of the, the work that you sell because ultimately, you're making products you're in the business of, you know, selling propositions to the human beings. And then it's this whole psychology of human that's a little bit more complex that science can deliver it. So you have to do both. So I'm a firm believer that great marketeers have to have skill set of both. And I like the way you explained it from a sense of brand and performance marketing. Brand marketing is always on the art side creativity side that performance marketing is more data-driven and being able to balance that and still deliver real results, I think is very special and going through. Yeah, Don, I want to give a little bit of provocation on saying that brand marketing is art. No. You could substantiate brand value through science. You could link it back to what does brand do, especially on driving preference and on driving price. So it, 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 it still can be science. So Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, now that you said it, that makes a lot of sense. And still on the subject of brand, you have a lot of experience developing, you know, project lines or brand product lines or brand categories and helping to propel that and creating value proposition and things like that. Can you give us some wisdom as to how culture influences something like that? How you're able to use a customer-centric culture to build new brand categories for a new customer segment and how to attach value proposition to satisfy the customer's job to be done? I would really look at it from the problem statement and also different categories because different categories will have different influence of culture that is a little bit more prevalent. So, you know, brands that talks to teenagers and Gen Z is really important on understanding the culture. Brands that plays more into creating emotional benefit in some of the categories that I'm working with, which is really around luxury and message. Those elements of understanding culture is really important because you're actually selling a dream, you're selling a hope. But I, I think one relevant example, which I can bring it to life, which is public that I worked on in how we actually developed that in Korea two, three, three years ago and built the brand almost from pretty negligible size to, to currently leading market share position in about 18 months, three years in the personal gaming category. And the insight was, it was quite simple. But it's not quite simple. It, it was actually really answering a culture tension in the case of Korea. So the global positioning of Omen is about play to progress, that consumers want to play to progress. Instead of taking a global platform and campaign, we started the journey and literally say, hey, actually, gaming brands talks into culture. Gamers and Gen Z, they manifest underground in communities. 
they don't like to be talked to. <laughs> they, they want you to talk with them. They want you to be part of the community. So we, they, we did a huge amount of consumer work to really understand. So, so, so what is the tension that and, and the societal fabric that we could really look into? And we, we realized the consumer tension among the Koreans, which is societal, is that now Koreans are grown up with the societal perception that, hey, what your achievement is defined by what you're born with. What kind of family you're born with, what kind of looks that you have, what kind of education that you take. And hence, the Gen Z can't be let go and free up for that. So that's a human tension whereby, hey, Omen can then become the brand that inspires gamers to play to progress, but by going against the grain of, you know, the societal pressure that achievement is earned, uh, your skills of gaming, not through what kind of person and family that you're born into. We, we use that to really disrupt the gaming category. And obviously, we worked with players, Korea gaming players, T1 and Faker. They embody the power of our values of the brand. And that enabled us to create stature and awareness in a very short period of time. And, you know, it shows us the commercial result. And then we continue to reinvent this platform, but staying very true to this positioning that answers the local cultural insight. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's a very amazing story. And that little nuance in playing into the mindset of the consumer definitely always moves the needle. And it's sometimes not easy to find, but with a great mix of art and science and a lot of trust inside and out, inside within the company, you're able to achieve uh, the commercial value for that career marketing initiative. So that's a great story. If you're listening, it's still the Marketing Leadership Podcast. And I know I have personally been enjoying everything she's been speaking my language, or at least the language I want to be saying five years from now. So really, really intelligent on that. Uh, but before we proceed and before I ask the last set of questions, I want to play a little fun, as you think. And it's a concept called the performance marketing rapid fire. And it's a bit of a small rapid fire set of questions, three questions. And just to ask on some random stuff, make sure you tell me the honest truth and nothing but the truth. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. First question, what is your favorite marketing KPI? And it does, it's not going to be sales. We don't want to hear sales. Uh, I would say customer lifetime value. Okay, I will take that. It's probably my favorite KPI, if I would say. Like thinking of all the conversations I've had this week, both on the podcast, on the work side. So, yeah. Second question is, how long do you use social media every day? Well, not in a constantly and nonstop way, but I would think that one to two hours. A day, okay. Okay, that's fair. I probably go about two hours myself. But yeah, it's just trying to have conversations on LinkedIn. If you are a thought leader or an aspiring thought leader, you do everything just to build your brand, which is the phase where I'm in right now. Last question. What is your favorite marketing quote? I don't think that's a favorite marketing quote. It's more a leadership quote or a way of booking. So I think the African proverb, which is if you want to go fast, you go alone. I think if you want to do really well, you go together. So it's this whole notion of something that I really believe, which is I believe that 
leadership is about community and really shared purpose and value and also believe that brands are built on power of community. Yeah, that, that's a very good one. So good, in fact, that as of today's recording, I, I spoke to Mark Schaefer. He's a very popular marketing thought leader and literally wrote the book on building communities as the last marketing strategy. So that is a very good one, actually. And I've heard of that African quote before, although I don't think it came from Nigeria. <laughs> All right. So back to the episode now. You know, whilst doing this research, I came up on a CMO council research that says, 40% of marketers believe that customer centricity is a massive part of the strategy. Now, the problem is there is a huge 86% of marketers that either don't believe in it or are not using it. So we need more leaders to come on board. And there are future leaders listening to this podcast, maybe some already established leaders who are enjoying perspectives from yourself. So in terms of some of the ideas that may move things forward here, do you have any best practices for customer centricity? Aside from all the ones you've mentioned before, are there any other ideas that you think might be useful to marketers going forward, especially for those of us who are aspiring to become leaders like yourself? I believe that is actually what you're in marketing for. Because like I said, if you forget about the customer, then you're not doing they're not doing great marketing because I think we, we might get very lost in the big corporation and because of different roles that you do and there's multiple touch points, you, you get lost a little bit about, hey, the importance of customer centricity. For me, customer centricity is a life and breath of business and, and marketing, mm-hmm. right? And especially now with technology and what coming out from COVID has pushes us to say that actually if, if your product is not good and your product is not answering a customer need, you know it immediately. You, you, you know it immediately that the product wouldn't be able to sell. So knowing starting with the customer need and starting customer insight is a fundamental important for successful brands and companies to really exist. To put a notion and to really strip it out of, in the most simplistic way, is that you look at Stella, and I will always go back to the second company that I worked in, which is Mars. And it's a privately owned company. And, and I think what was taught to me during that time when I was a really young marketeer was the notion of walking the streets, talking to your customers. That there was that culture from the owners then that Wherever they go, the first thing they do is they don't go into a boardroom and have a PowerPoint presentation. No, the first thing they do is they go and talk to a customer because that's where the true insight and pals happen. And from there, they can then go back and do a presentation and do a review to really understand is how your business pals around that. Now, in, yeah, in startups, it's the same. If your product is not delivering an answer, answer the customer need you won't be able to go to the next stage and your product and the business doesn't exist. So I I would say that I'm not quite sure whether I've got strategic best ideas or whatever. I think it's a fundamental need. Yeah, I think some of the things you've shared there are great truths, to be honest. And what I hear you saying here is just, and I think you said at the beginning of the episode, we know marketing is hard at the execution level, but from a strategic level, the, the most basic elements are still very relevant. And people, it's just normal for people to overstate something because it's hard 
or because it's sophisticated or because there are millions of parts involved. But what's important for to see when it comes to a customer-centric marketing culture is it still boils down to the basics. And what you've explained here really just boils down to the basic of what marketing is meant for. What has always worked when we were not tracking conversion rates? And when, if we were tracking conversion rates at that time, it would have been much higher than what we are getting today. And seeing customers more than just numbers and seeing them as humans, you know, who can be loyal to the brand and who can give out more value than even what the brand might expect and um, make the brand outpace competition. So those truths, again, I don't think they seem cliche, but they are just not obvious to many of us. And now listening to that, I hope it is obvious to us. The last question before I let you go, in terms of your performance management techniques for evaluating customer-centric culture or a marketing-centric culture within companies, how do you do that? Do you evaluate employees in a way or are there like rewards for employees that are more customer-centric or is there a way you reward a marketing culture within an organization or a brand culture where everyone feels happy and feels welcomed? Is there anything like that that you think marketing leaders should think about just to motivate not just customers, but motivate employees to just stick to the vision and project it as, as much as they can? A very good question, and it's a difficult one to answer, but I would think that ultimately, because you're in a corporation, marketing organization is to demonstrate value, which is to create business up, which is answer business needs, which is really the drive top line and bottom line. And then there's an element of brand, which is important because brand might not read the returns in the short-term perspective, but it, it takes time to build, build, build brand. So those are part business metrics that teams get um, measured in. Then there will be an aspect, which is what we measure, which is people engagement. So we measure engagement because that links back to culture, it links back to leadership. And like you said, it links back to no longer the role of marketing and role of CMO is so simple. It really goes back to, hey, are there signs of marketing? But also what's more important is how do you, which is a hard one, how do you create a culture that the marketing function is constantly staying abreast, reinventing? Because marketers, every two years, there's a tech new thing. Two years ago, it was metaverse and now it's AI. Because if you get all this stuff, what do you do with all this influx of, you know, new trends and how do you stay abreast of that? Because at the end of the day, we are talking to the human beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the knowledge part. Having me to speak to marketing leaders every week uh, is an example of me learning new things as well. So I will get back to my bosses and, and let them know that they should give me a good appraisal. But thank you for mentioning that. And also in general, thank you for this fantastic episode. I've had a good time speaking with you. I would say again, you have, and we know you are very experienced, but what I've seen today or what I've heard today is your incredible wisdom. You are filled with incredible marketing wisdom and intelligence. And I can only wish you the best going forward. But before then, 
where can our aspiring marketers find you if they want to learn more from you like I am doing right now? You can find me on LinkedIn. Mm, okay. Just LinkedIn or any other platform? Just LinkedIn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Thank you for sharing that. So guys, that's all we have for today. See more episodes at dotslovesmarketing.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, the Marketing Leadership Podcast on Apple, YouTube, and Spotify. Till next episode, connect the dots. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. There will be links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com.